Yeah, I like jigsaw puzzles. Okay, you take them, dump them out of the bag, and you organize them. You pull out the 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 edge pieces, the corner pieces. I always organize them kind of by color, and putting them together. And you get that one piece that you think it fits. So you try to jam it in there, and realize it doesn't fit. And when you pull it out, that little paper flips up. Okay, that really bugs me. Because when, when you get it all done, you've got that one piece where the paper's flipped up. It's just not perfect. Okay? Or you ever gone to a garage sale and you see a puzzle and you're like, oh, that's a great picture. That'd be a great puzzle. But what's your question? Are all the pieces there? Because even if you're missing just one piece, the whole thing is just not worth it. Okay? (laughs) We need to pray. (laughs) Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the beautiful day that you gave us, Lord. It is beautiful, beautiful because, yes, it is... We have great weather today, Father. But, Father, it is beautiful because you made it. You are an intentional God, Father. You made this day. You have a plan and a purpose for this day, Lord, and for this very time. I pray that you come and you move in a powerful and an amazing way, Lord, that we leave changed forever. That we know you in a deeper and more intimate way today, Father, through your truth that we give you praise, Father, and and let this time bring a smile to your face. In Jesus' name, amen. So, So God does have a plan. He has a plan, and we can see that in Scripture in starting in verse Genesis 1.1. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God is an intentional God. He didn't do this out of accident. He is an intentional God. He created this with purpose. And in Proverbs, it says, you can make many plans, but the Lord's purpose will prevail. So we can make our own plans, but ultimately God's plan, God's will is going to come about. So in This summer, in the month of July at least, we're answering some of your questions. And sometimes these questions, knowing that God has a plan, some of these questions are hard to reconcile with the idea that God has a plan. And so as God's plan for my life is revealed, sometimes that can kind of cause me to tense up a little bit. There's a picture that illustrates this beautifully. The Holy Spirit's having a blast. And that would be me hanging on for dear life. That's what it feels like sometimes when God's plan is revealed. But even so, we have a hard time reconciling some of these questions that we have. One question, 
And the question that we're going to be discussing today is, how could a loving God let people go to hell? So God, this loving God, how could he set in motion a plan that results in some people going to hell? How does that make sense? So let's take a look at God's plan. Okay? So if I'm going to plan out a trip, what's your first question? Where are we going? Where are we going? Okay, so let's fast, uh, fast forward to the book of Revelation. And in the book of Revelation, there's an event. And the event, one of the events is this wedding between the bride of Christ and Christ himself. So, in ancient Jewish ceremony, their wedding ceremony consisted of 12 steps. I just find it interesting that it's 12 steps. And I'm going to quickly go through these 12 steps. Each one of the steps could be really a message in and of itself. But I'm going to just kind of show you some quick parallels between these steps for the wedding ceremony, which is a long process. It is not the steps of, uh, the, steps of the wedding ceremony on the day of the wedding. It's, it's an extended event. So step one, the selection of the bride. Okay, it was usually chosen by the father of the groom. For example, Abraham the father sends his servant Eliezer to find a bride for Abraham's son Isaac. So what's the parallel? The parallel would be that the believers in Christ are chosen by God. You can find that in Ephesians 1 and elsewhere. Step two, a bride price was established. The parallel, Jesus... Our groom, the body of Christ's groom, paid the price of the bride in redeeming us with his life so that we could be his bride, the body of believers. Step three, the bride and the groom are betrothed together or engaged to one another. Okay? This engagement is, is, legal, is the legal binding of the bride and the groom together. With one exception, they don't physically live together. Okay, maybe, maybe, maybe that's something that we should employ more in our society, but that's another story. The parallel, the body of Christ here on earth is physically separate from Jesus who is in heaven. Step four, a written document is created. This contract states the bride's price the promises of the groom and the rights of the bride. In the parallel for us, what is our contract? Scripture. We have all of God's promises right here. And we can be sure that those who are in Christ are not going to be pulled out of his hand. We cannot be stolen away from God. Step five, the bride must give her consent. Okay? The, bride, the bride needs to be willing to do this. Okay, that that the parallel is is for each of us to accept Jesus' invitation to be his bride. Now that that we have that individual part, 
but the bride is not me individually, not you individually, but us collectively as one body of Christ. Step six, the groom gave gifts to his bride in a cup called the cup of the covenant. Now, this one is twofold. The gift, the gift for somebody who has accepted Jesus, who submits to his lordship and, his, and him being savior, we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, the cup, the cup of the covenant was shared between the bride and the groom. One cup was shared, and they would both drink wine from this cup. The parallel would be the Last Supper, the Lord's Supper, communion in which Jesus made a new covenant. The bride would have a water immersion, which is the ceremonial cleansing of her, indicating a new way of life. The parallel, believers are to be immersed in water. In other words, they're to be baptized in the name of Jesus, which symbolizes the death of, in the resurrection, in the new life that we have in Christ. That our life is no longer the way we're living, the, the way that we're, we're in submission and, and enslaved to sin. But we have a new way of life. Step eight, the groom leaves. The groom leaves, go back, goes back to his father's house to prepare the bridal chamber or a, a room or a house for he and his bride. The parallel, John chapter 14, Jesus says, My father, my father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you may also be where I am. Step nine, the bride was consecrated and set apart for a period of time while the groom was away building the house. Consecrated and set apart. Consecrated. Consecrated is, is to be declared something. We're declared. God declares that we are his, that we belong to him. And that we are set apart for him. That we are in this world, but not of this world. Now, step 10. Before the bridegroom goes back to get his bride, the father has to kind of deem that the groom has done what he needs to do to prepare it for his bride. Now, the, the groom doesn't know when the father's going to say, hey, okay, now it's ready. Now is the time for you to go get your bride. Meanwhile, the bride was to wait eagerly for the return of the bridegroom, keeping in mind that this can happen at any time. She's to be ready for when he comes. The parallel, Jesus says that only the Father knows when he's going to return. Okay? He says this through talking about um, uh, the, the, the brides okay, in Matthew 24, I think it is. But he also makes reference to like the, the groom is going to come back like a thief in the night. Okay? find it interesting that a lot of times what I read is that the groom would come back at midnight. 
I'm not saying that Jesus is coming back at midnight, so if it's 12.03 and he's not back, okay, it's not today. Okay? But I just found it interesting that the thief comes, comes in the night and that the groom a lot of times would come during the night to get his bride. Step 11, the groom would return with a shout. Behold, the bridegroom comes, and the sound of a ram's horn would be blown. And in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, it says, For the Lord himself, which is Jesus, will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God. And then step seven, or step 12. Finally, there would be a marriage supper for all the guests invited by the father of the bride. They would have a party. So God's plan really is this long engagement ceremony between the groom and his bride. And when we look at some various verses in Scripture, in the context of the bride, things kind of make sense, or at least they did to me, kind of thinking about the context of the bride and that this is, this is a bridal ceremony. This is a, a um, engagement. So if we take a look at a few verses from Luke 9, Jesus says to the crowd, If any of you wants to be my follower... You must give up your own way, take up your cross daily, and follow me. Basically, your life needs to change. You cannot keep your same life and follow me. You cannot serve two masters. You cannot both live in your sin and be a follower of me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will find it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but are yourself lost or destroyed? Now, one thing I think is important here in this case, when Jesus is talking about life, he is not talking about existence. He is not talking about existence. Okay? People have existence in hell. They don't have life. So what is this life? Life does not equal existence. When Jesus is talking about life, he's talking about the full, the complete, the realized totality of God's intention and purpose for your existence. We're created for a purpose. And when we live in that God-given purpose, that's when we have life. So then in verse 26, if anyone is ashamed of me and my message, the Son of Man will be ashamed of that person when he returns in his glory and in the glory of the Father and the holy angels. What bride is ashamed that she just got engaged? Can you, try, can you keep a bride quiet? It's not going to happen. When I got engaged, I got engaged on a Friday night. By about 9 or 10 o'clock the next morning, Robin called me. I bought a dress. (laughs) A bride can't keep quiet. 
So it, it doesn't make sense for us to be born again and then to go out into the world and, shh, I'm going to keep it in secret. Okay? We can't help but to say something to somebody. So that leads us back to the question. How could a loving God let people go to hell? Understanding that this is, is, is an engagement process. Those that go with Christ into heaven are those that are the bride of Christ. Would it make sense... For a man, would it be okay for a man to force a woman to be married to him? No. But but what if that guy really, really, really loved her? Would it be okay then? No. So how in the world is it okay for Jesus to, to take somebody who does not love him who has not had any desire to be with him and take her and force her to live in heaven with him. That doesn't make sense. How would God do that? Now, there's another perspective that I think we need to look at here is is from the perspective of the bride. How would would Jesus be... Let's flip it. How would it look if a, if a man proposed to a woman, she accepted, and he then invited another woman into their relationship? How does that demonstrate his faithfulness and love and commitment to his bride? It doesn't. So Jesus who welcomes his bride into his home, heaven, which is where Jesus is, how would it show his love and faithfulness and commitment to his bride if he let everybody else who has no relationship with him into heaven to live with him in eternity? If that were the case, we would really have to call Jesus an adulterer. If that were the case. But Jesus has this love, affection, romantic even, relationship with his church, with his bride. And they're going to spend eternity together in relationship. God doesn't desire anybody to go to hell. He doesn't desire that. He, he, He wants everyone to join him. But he does give us free will. He does allow us to choose to be in relationship with him, to accept his invitation to be engaged with him or not. A bride did not have to marry the groom who's asking her. Okay, one of the steps, she needs to accept it. So how could a loving God let people go to hell? 
How could a loving God not? Because his love and affection is for his bride. And that door is open for everyone, to everyone. Okay, he died for the sins of the world. He loves you so much that he wants to give you a choice to be in as part of his bride. Or you can live your own life. You can search out life for your own. But sadly, you're not going to find it. And that's what makes hell, hell. It is the complete absence of the presence of God. We we, kind of have this misunderstanding that life is, is something that we have in that I can add Jesus to my life to make it better. Okay? Again, that's confusing life with existence. Okay, we have existence. We have breath by the, by the grace of God. But that does not mean, just because I'm breathing, I'm thinking that I have consciousness, that doesn't mean that I have life. Again, remember, life is that, that, that the fully realized purpose of God in our life. Okay? Which should change us. Okay? Now, we have another set of verses in Matthew 7. And these are, frankly, terrifying verses. But this is where our challenge begins. It says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of the Father... Who is in heaven? On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do mighty works in your name? But then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. So how does, how does the bride of Christ get reflected in this set of verses? Paul writes, that we're saved by faith and not by works. James writes that faith without works is dead. No faith or no works, no faith. I think the bride of Christ can, can help us kind of discern the subtle difference, will you? In that if you take a bride, okay, now bride, she's accepted the invitation. Her life, out of a demonstration of her commitment and love to her groom, her life now has to change. It must be different. She's no, no longer going out flirting with women. She's no longer in a relationship with other men. She, become, she, she, she call, comes under the headship of her groom. She's committed. She's loyal. She's faithful. She's not searching out life 
Okay, remember, life comes from Christ, our groom. She's not searching for life elsewhere. When things are rough, where does she go? She goes to Christ. When things get difficult, when temptations come, she remains faithful. She doesn't chase after the things of the world. Her lifestyle, her works demonstrate her faith in the marriage proposal and commitment of the groom that this will happen and I am faithful and committed for that day, for my groom. So, the works support, her lifestyle supports her commitment, her, her faith. On the other hand, if you have a woman who, who wants to marry a man and she becomes engaged to a man and she changes her life, she stops chasing after other men, she, she comes under his leadership. She does all the right things. But there's one subtle difference. She's doing them because of what he can do for her. She does those things because he provides security, maybe. I I, I read uh, an interesting article that nearly two-thirds of the women surveyed said that they would marry for money. That 1.5 million was kind of the floor that they're looking for. Okay? The people doing the survey, they said, realistically, they're really starting at like 10 million. And if they can't find it, they'll they'll lower their standards, but their floor is like 1.5 million. Now, not that it's the money itself that they're going after, they said, but it's what it represents in that char- in the character of the man. Okay? It's kind of alarming. Not actually shocking, but alarming. But they're they're not looking to be in love with their groom. They're looking to how can this groom give me what I want? I have the picture of the life that I want and, and I'm gonna find the groom that can give that to me. The center and the focus of that bride is to find a groom that can serve her and give her what she wants. And as soon as that stops, okay, I'll go find somebody else. Okay? But you notice, if you look at the picture, you look at the works of both of those brides, they look very similar. But the hearts are very different. And that's what Jesus is talking about and when many are going to come to me and say, Lord, Lord, he says, I don't know you. But wait, 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 wait. Look at all these things that I've done. I've done all these things in your name. So, but I've never known you. You've never been in relationship with me. Your life might look like that, but God looks at the heart. It's the condition of your heart that he wants from you, that he's looking at. So here's the challenge. 
What is the state of your relationship with Christ? What is the condition of your heart in your relationship with Christ? Are you in love with Christ? Do you want to be with Christ because of who he is? And that when circumstances don't go your way, you remain faithful. That is one of the the, the most precious gifts that a wife, that a bride can bring to her husband is that no matter what happens, no matter whether we travel to the hilltop or travel to the valley, I will be with you. It is not, I'm going to be with you when times are good, and then, you know what, I'm going to be looking elsewhere when things get rough. But that they're going to be with their husband, going to be with their groom, no matter what. Because their love and devotion and commitment to their husband, to their groom, is not because of the circumstances are good, but because they just want to be with him. Or is the condition of your relationship based on whether things are good? If I feel his presence, if I have my family, if I have a good job, if I can pay the bills, sometimes our conditions are pretty low. Paying the bills are good. I have that car. I have the security. I have a nice bank account. But as those things get chipped away, as the cards from our house built on sand get shifted, do we begin to doubt God? Do we begin to get anxious? about what God has in store? Do we begin to take things under our own control and try to make things happen on our own? Or maybe you're realizing that you don't have a relationship with Christ. That he's up there. He's the big man in the sky. You may know he has a plan and a purpose. You just don't have a relationship with him. You may not think about him much. You may think about him. Atheists think about him a lot. But they don't have a relationship with him. What's really awesome? Today's the day. You can have a relationship with him today. The invitation is open to everyone whom he's created. So after the service, we'll have some people up here. We would love to talk with you. We would love to, to, to open this invitation up to you. If you need that renewal, you that that you've accepted his invitation at one point, but you've strayed. You, you've noticed that your faithfulness is not what it used to be. That you're no longer excited about the fact that you're going to spend eternity with him. 
that in those situations at work or at the store, it's kind of like, yeah, I'm, I'm a Christian, but that's just what I believe. Okay? Again, that's not what a, that's not that's not a bride. That we want to pray with you. That we want to help break down these barriers. That we have we that we all have these strongholds that keep us from fully realizing God's purpose in our life. So we're going to be up here. The worship team can come out. But I do want to challenge you. Think about this, the bride of Christ. And how many things just kind of seem to fall into place in Scripture in that context.